your Bibles to Genesis chapter 4. For those who are visiting with us, we are working our way through Genesis. We're going to pick up the pace this morning and uh, cover two entire chapters. I think it will be best if I read the passages of Scripture as we move through the sermon. So um, I will pray. We will get started with the sermon, and as we uh, are moving forward, we'll read the passages of Scripture as we go. Let's pray. Father, I do ask that you would be present with us. I pray that you would help us to uh, discriminate even in our own souls as to whether we are indeed uh, God's people or not. This is a vital question, and I ask, Father, that as your word is opened, read, and proclaimed, that uh, you would be at work uh, in us and um, not only help us to know where we stand before you, but also I pray that you would draw every person here to yourself. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. All people came from one family. So at some level, every one of us are related to each other. Regardless of race, regardless of nationality, we are all descendants of Adam and Eve. Now, in saying that, you might have noticed that I titled these, the sermon, Two Families, Two Destinations. If we all come from one family, then where does this two families come from uh, in my title? Well, it comes from Genesis chapter 3.15. Uh, this is the passage where God told the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. See, here in Genesis 3.15, God separated humanity into two families. The family of the woman in which if we were to trace through the Bible, we would see that as the Bible unfolds, that the family of the woman is the family of God. And then there's this other family, the family of the serpent. And again, as the Bible unfolds, we would see that this family of the serpent is the family of Satan. All humanity belongs to either one of these two families. And God is driving and directing history patiently to build his family while protecting it from the onslaughts of the family of the evil one. If you want to check me on this, and I, was, I taught the, the um, senior high Sunday school this morning, and I, was, I told them about the Bereans who uh, searched the Scriptures to check and see whether Paul, what Paul was saying, was really true. And so they searched the Scriptures to, to check out... Um, Paul's preaching, and they were commended for that. And so if you want to check me out on this for your Sunday afternoon reading pleasure, I would direct you to the second half of John chapter 8, uh, and also Revelation chapters 12 and 13. Uh, and we could look at other places as well. 
that there is this separation. The family of God and the family of Satan. The family of the woman, the family of the serpent. These two families actually come from one family. These two families are not separated by genetics, but rather by the direction of their souls. In Genesis 4, we read of Cain and Abel, two brothers who in the big scheme of things are actually the beginnings of two different families. Abel is in the family of God, while Cain is in the family of Satan. And this is clearly evident by the type of worship that they offer. So look at Genesis 4, verses 1 through 5. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, uh, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to I'm sorry, I was going into verse 6. We'll get to verse 6 um, a little later. So, presumably, Adam and Eve were raising their boys to worship the Lord. And, the, and they had taught their boys how to worship the Lord. You bring an offering uh, to the Lord uh, from, among, from out of their wealth. So, Abel, being a shepherd, he brought sheep. Cain, being a farmer, he brought, um, he brought crops. The Bible says that God was pleased with Abel, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. The Bible does not say that, that God accepted Abel and rejected Cain because of the, the type of offering. There's, that's not the issue at all. Rather, the reason God accepted Abel and his offering while having no regard or really rejecting Cain and his offering was because of something inside their souls. It was something inside them that made the distinction. See, God looks at the heart. Do you remember what God said to Samuel when Samuel was uh, looking for the king? Um, God said to Samuel, For God sees not as man sees. Man looks on outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. See, God saw clearly the attitude with which Abel and Cain were uh, bringing, were offering their worship. Abel, we see in verse four, brought to the brought to the Lord the firstborn of his flock, and also he brought the fat portions of the meat. So when he offered the um, the firstborn of his flock and and killed it and sliced and diced or whatever he did, instead of keeping the best portions of the meat uh, for himself to eat, he offered it to the Lord presumably as a burnt offering. In other words, Abel went out of his way to make sure that God had the best that Abel could offer. 
Cain, however, in verse 3, um, brought the Lord simply an offering of fruit. Cain was simply discharging a duty. You know, I went to worship today. Check. Hebrews 11, verse 4, makes the issue real clear. It says, By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. See that? By faith Abel offered to God. Abel loved and trusted God. It was his faith that made the difference. Therefore, Abel went out of his way to make sure that he offered God worship that would please God. Cain loved himself, so he, did, he, he simply did the bare minimum to appease God. What is God seeing right now as He's looking into your soul? He's looking beyond your Sunday best. What is the direction of your heart with respect to God? Sometimes it's difficult for us to discern um, whether we really love God or not. Well, here's a test. What is the quality of your worship? Are you here to give God your best? Or are you simply going through the motions to fulfill a requirement? If you were simply going through the motions, then your offering of worship is unacceptable to God. In fact, our text suggests that worship offered to God that does not spring from faith, that does not spring from love, is not only unacceptable, it's a stench to God. So even though we have these two brothers, the first two human beings to be born from Adam and Eve, we actually have two families that are beginning to distinguish themselves by the worship that they offer to God. This leads us to another conclusion. Just because a person comes from a Christian family, generally holds to Christian values, it does not mean that they can go through their motions, or go through the motions in their lives and be acceptable to God. God will only receive people into His family who love Him supremely and worship Him wholeheartedly. Remember, remember when Jesus was preaching uh, inside a house and His mother and brothers showed up outside the house and they said, let us in, we're His mother and His brothers. Remember what Jesus said to the people? He said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward the disciples, he said, here, is my, here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. You know, God not only saw Cain's attitude toward God, God also saw Cain's attitude toward his brother. Look at verses 5 through 7. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. It, its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. See, Cain is self-centered. 
So when his offering is not accepted, he does what self-centered people typically do. He becomes self-righteous. How dare God accept Cain, uh, how dare God accept Abel's offering and not mine? So then Cain began developing uh, ways to get rid of his brother so that his brother would not be around to please God. Maybe he's thinking, with my brother gone, then I'll be more acceptable to God. But God spoke to Cain and, and, and God warned Cain. And no sooner had the Lord stopped speaking uh, than Cain set about to murder his brother. So verse 8 Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. You know, Eve had to, had to be talked into her sin. Here's Cain. He can't be talked out of it, even by God himself. We have here two different types of love on display. Abel loves God... And we can presume that he also loves his brother. Um, he certainly trusted his brother enough to be alone in the field with him. But Cain only loved himself. We, we might could say that he loved his parents. But if he really loved his parents, I don't think that he would have killed their child. Because Cain only loved himself, it led him to hate anyone who annoyed him. Anyone who got in the way of his self-centered plans. And just like we saw the two types of uh, worship which distinguishes a family, uh, which distinguishes which person of, uh, or which family a person belongs to, whether to, to God's family or to Satan's family, well, the Bible also uses these two types of love to distinguish family ties. Listen to 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 through 15. Listen closely. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one. There he is. He's of the evil one's family. Who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life. Well, how do we know that? Because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And so the Apostle John uses Cain and Abel and their two loves to help us understand, to help us know which family we belong to. If you were unwilling to love your brother, if you were unwilling to love your neighbor, if you were unwilling to love even your enemy, you belong to the family of Satan. A person who belongs to God's family loves unconditionally because they know the love with which they have been loved. To those of you on this side of the congregation, sorry that I'm using you for the, or this hand for the, uh, for Satan's family. So, 
No, no offense. <laughs> the love that John is expecting of God's people is a love that counts others more than more significant than themselves. The love that distinguishes us from the world is a love that sacrifices for its brothers. It's a love that loves neighbors as themselves. It is a love that loves enemies. It is not a love that asks, as Cain does in verse 9, Am I my brother's keeper? Most people don't love like that. Most people are unwilling to love as God calls us to love. That's why um, the business world is such a dog-eat-dog type of world. That's why it's so difficult to find politicians who actually put constituents above themselves. That's why marketing is so typically dishonest. It goes back to the doctrine of sin. Most people genuinely don't, or most people don't genuinely care about other people um, in our culture or in any culture. And it all goes back to sin. And when a person is unwilling to love as God calls us to love, it is a distinguishing mark saying, You are not in God's family. In God's family, we are to be distinguished by our love. Christ came and died on the cross to reconcile God to sinners through Christ's shed blood. Christ also, by His death on the cross, intended to reconcile Jews and Gentiles through His shed blood. He was the seed of the woman who crushed the head of the serpent. His blood... It was His blood that purchased us into the family of God. And His family is a family of love. Remember what Jesus said to His disciples on the night before He went to the cross? He said to them, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. God's family is distinguished by people who love as God loves. People who love as Jesus loved. That's pretty powerful. That's our calling as Christians. When the world looks at us, they should see the opposite of Cain's attitude. That's why 1 Peter says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. And then Peter goes on, he says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Peter's writing to Christians when he says this. He knows that it's hard to love as God expects us to love. 
Even when we're living in God's family, He knows that it's that it is very difficult. And that's why He reminds us. That's why Paul in all his letters, letters remind us over and over again, love the brothers. Uh, put others ahead of yourselves. But the fact that it is hard, the fact that it is difficult to love other people, especially our enemies, does not um, absolve us from responsibility. Rather, love for others is at the heart of our existence as, as children of God. Francis Schaeffer says, Evangelism is a calling, but not the first calling. Building congregations is a calling, but not the first calling. A Christian's first call is to step from the line of Cain into the line of Abel upon the basis of the shed blood of the Lamb of God, to return to the first commandment to love God, to love the brotherhood, and then to love one's neighbor as himself. The core of our calling is to love now, because Cain rejected God and murdered his brother, God drove Cain away from Adam and Eve. God did not want Cain's type of self-love to influence his brothers and sisters yet to be born. Now, even though he drove Cain away, Cain at least did influence one of his siblings since he married her. <laughs> um, and I could say a lot about that, but I'm going to try and refrain in the interest of time. Um, but anyway, what we find in the Bible is that Cain started having children. And of course, he did not uh, teach them about the true God. He did not teach them how God wanted man to worship or to love. So Cain's descendants ended up um, growing up uh, and living by their own self-seeking values. What's surprising here is how civil civilization flourished through Cain's descendants. Uh, you can read through um, verses 8 and following all the way through the end of the chapter and find out that they were leaders in starting cities. They were leaders in developing musical instruments and also in making all kinds of things from bronze and iron. Uh, they, they invented many different things, but they lived by their own law. Lamech, uh, who was Cain's great, great, great grandson, he wanted more than one wife, so he took two. Uh, verse 19, and Lamech took two wives, the name of one was Ada, the other, the name of the other was Zillah. So just making up his own rules. In fact, Lamech also lived by a rule of revenge and pride. Look at verses 23 and 24. Uh, Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. That's his values. Revenge. Pride. When I was at uh, Covenant College as a student, I used to be a bit of a prankster. And one of the little sayings that I had um, 
if uh, someone pulled a prank on me or tried to get me back for a prank I had pulled on them, I used to say, an eye for scratch. <laughs> because I would come back, uh, I and my friends would come back at them really hard. And that's basically what Lamech is saying. Yeah, I've killed a man for wounding me. Revenge and pride uh, directed his values. Cain's line became more and more removed from God. They became completely godless. Now, during the time that Cain and his descendants were building um, this godless culture to the east of Eden, uh, God was building a new family for himself through a new child to be born to Adam and Eve. This child was named Seth. So look at verses 25 and 26. Adam knew his wife Eve, I'm sorry, Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also was a born, uh, to Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Uh, that last phrase is important. People began to call on the name of the Lord. And what happens here is it starts a righteous line of descendants. A family line who trusts God, who calls God their father. We read about their lineage in chapter 5. Uh, I'm not going to read the entire chapter. I'm just going to give you an overview by reading uh, parts of it. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in his likeness, or in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them, and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness, after his own image, and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. This all the days that Adam lived uh, were 930 years, and he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. Now going down to um, verses 21 through 32. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God, and he fathered Methuselah 300 years um, and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. Different Lamech, of course. Methuselah lived after his father Lamech 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Lamech were 777 years and he died. After Noah was 500 years, 
years old. Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I should make a quick remark about the age of the people we just read about. Uh, there's no indication that they marked time any different than Moses um, or than we do. In other words, these people lived a very, very, very long time. Uh, the most reasonable guess uh, that I can make for their uh, longevity, long, longevity is um, that the effects of the fall had not altered their genetics to the extent that it has for us. Uh, God had created Adam and Eve to live forever uh, if they had not sinned. And so uh, it seems to me that maybe the genetics uh, began to break down at some later point. Also, um, the climate was very different before the flood, um, very different than the, than the climate we live in. So I think these are the main factors for their longevity, and we could probably offer some other reasons as well. These early generations were very verbally oriented. They did not have books to write down their history. One generation told stories of their life, their values, uh, and of their worship of God to the next generation. So throughout Seth's descendants, um, they passed on the stories about God, they st the stories about how to worship God. And so you see generation after generation after generation um, of people who are worshiping God. Now, not all of Seth's descendants remained faithful. In fact, we'll see next week that, sadly, most of Seth's descendants began to marry people from Cain's line. Um, and instead of evangelistic uh, dating, um, those people who married into Cain's line ended up being absorbed into the culture of unrighteousness. Um, and like I said, we'll see that next week. But there was this line that continued to worship God right up through Noah. We know nothing of their contributions to the development of civilization like we do with Cain's line, except we do know their chief and their highest value. Uh, we saw it in verse 26. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. They worshipped the Lord. We all want to make our mark. We all want to leave, leave, leave a lasting impact. We all want our lives to count for something. Well, the greatest thing that you can do is to worship God. What is man's chief end? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. In creating, and I'm, I'm at my conclusion... In creating two different families, God also created two different destinies. According to the Scriptures, children of Satan, by nature, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, by nature are children of wrath fitted for destruction. Now, we don't generally appreciate that we all, by nature, are born into this world as children of Satan. I was born into this world as a child of Satan. 
My wife was born into this world as a child of Satan. My children were born into this world as children of Satan. And not only Cain, but also Abel and Seth were born into this world as children of Satan. All because of Adam's fall. All because of of his sin against God. But God, being a merciful and loving God, has secured a people for Himself. And throughout history, He is drawing this people that He's secured for Himself to Himself through the proclamation of the Gospel. And as He draws these people to Himself, He remakes these people. He gives them a new purpose. He gives them a new worship. Instead of worshiping themselves, they worship God. Instead of loving themselves, they begin to love others, even their enemies. What is your destiny? What is your purpose here in this world? Is it to worship God wholeheartedly and love people who are difficult to love? Or is it to suck all the marrow out of life for your own selfish purposes? These are the dividing lines for humanity. Which side of humanity are you on? Let's pray together. Father, again I pray as I began this sermon praying that uh, everyone here would not um, be on the or that everyone here would be on the side of your family, would love you supremely, would worship you wholeheartedly because they trust in Jesus Christ. Father, He, the seed of the woman, did indeed crush Satan's head. And Father, I pray that He would now bring all of us as spoils of victory into His kingdom. May there be none here who leave here today without calling upon Jesus. I pray in His name. Amen.